This is Gotham TV Podcast Episode 80, where we are looking at Gotham Season 3, Episode 3, Look Into My Eyes. Hey, this is Drew Powell. I play Butch Gilzean on Gotham, and you are listening to Gotham TV Podcast. Listen to my voice, listen to my voice. No one else's, no peripheral sounds, but listen to the deep rhythms of my vocal tones. You are now completely relaxed and are listening to Gotham TV Podcast, episode 80. I am one of your hosts, John. And I'm your other host, Derek. Welcome back. I like that, John. Yes, we are looking into one another's eyes on this <laughs> audio podcast of Gotham, where we're looking at Season 3, Episode 3, Looking Into My Eyes, mm-hmm. where we do get one of my favourites, Jervis Tetch. That's right. The Mad Hatter. Yeah, I forgot about this. All the way back to uh, to our coverage of Gotham Central. Before Gotham even started, I remember you saying that uh, that Mad Hatter was one of your favorite characters. Yeah. Yeah. Really exciting to see him on screen. Really, really, really cool. I loved this episode. Um, you know, absolutely <laughs> loved it. I thought what they did with him was excellent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really, really loved uh, what they did with this episode. Welcome back, listeners. Yeah, as John said, we're talking about episode three of Gotham season three. Uh, and obviously our spoiler filled uh, discussion will begin in a moment about this episode. Uh, we will be going into full spoilers. So obviously, hopefully you've seen this episode because it is definitely a good one. Without a shadow of a doubt. Love it. Love absolutely everything. <laughs> oh, interesting. I mean, to do with Jervis Tech. Okay. Okay. Good I hasten to add. There are a few things maybe that um, I would do differently, but definitely I think the introduction of Jervis Tetch here is is really good. Mm-hmm. It's really good for for um, Gotham and what they do with characters. And I think this is a realization, a bit like with Oswald Cobblepot, a bit like with uh, you know Selena Kyle, Bruce Wayne, Ed Nigma, that this is another big bad. Yeah, it must be kind of cool getting cast for one of those roles in Gotham where you're getting cast as Jervis Tetch, a character that does last quite a long time in the comic book. So you're kind of going, I've got a job now for a couple of years if I get this this job on Gotham, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. There is one little thing that I think maybe they pushed too quickly. Okay. But I think that's always been an, an issue of mine for a number of different uh bad guys that have been introduced and the storyline seems to get pushed over, turned over really quickly. But okay. just one little thing, but you know, we'll come to that. Yeah. But, um, let's save it for, let's save it for Mo. Uh, hopefully exactly. you are subscribed to the podcast. If you aren't, just go over to gothamtvpodcast.com. You'll find the podcast subscription buttons in any of, any uh, of uh, Google apps or on iTunes or anywhere you want to subscribe to the podcast over there. Uh, or you could just go straight through to iTunes by going to gothamtvpodcast.com slash iTunes to subscribe. A quick thank you to all of those uh, joining us for our competition, our Bullockism of the Week. Um, people have been sending in their uh, their Bullockisms of the Week. So uh, if you want to join that competition, all you need to do is catch a Harvey Bullock quote and email us to feedback at gothamtvpodcast.com. Hardly any in this episode. This Absolutely. <laughs> that was the, 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 the fairly tragic thing is that after launching the Bullockism of the Week uh, competition, Harvey is in the episode, but he doesn't really do a Bullockism. Yeah. Yeah. Or does he? <laughs> we'll come it, to that. Later. It may be more of a, um, his actions speak louder than his words in this yes, one. Yes, I think, I think so. But we knew that would happen within so many yeah. episodes. Anyway, 
think it's time to crack into season three, episode three of Gotham. Look into my eyes. Yeah. So, yeah. Derek, what production notes, what case notes have you got for for this episode? A really interesting one. This episode, uh, episode three. Our wonderful director of episode one and two, Danny Cannon, has jumped to the other side of production and wrote this episode. So he directed the first two and uh, and wrote the third episode. Excellent. Yeah, I think we're starting to see a little uh, little Danny Cannon. Uh, running the show again for uh, for season three, which is quite cool. Um, the episode was directed by Rob Bailey, another one of our really good directors of yeah. Gotham. He had an episode each season. He did uh, Penguin's Umbrella in season one uh, and season two, episode two. So I think actually Pen- Penguin's Umbrella was the big turning point for Gotham, really, wasn't it? That was the, the episode where everything just got turned on its head and the show became the show we know and love now. Really. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And then he went on to season two and did Knock Knock, the second episode of that season. So another good episode as well. Yeah, yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of Alfred and Bruce interactions. So I think he likes those fighting scenes with Alfred and Bruce. Yeah, and there's some good little interactions in this one, and of course another big uh, reveal that comes in, which is very similar to Penguin's Umbrella. Yeah, we we will talk about it, I'm sure. But John, do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis? Sure. Bruce takes in his doppelganger, subject five one four A a.k.a. Five, who demonstrates impressive fighting skills and imperviousness to pain and worrying signs of impersonation. Meanwhile, hypnotist Jervis Tetch hires Gordon to find his sister Alice, an Indian Hill escapee whose blood contains a virus. After he tracks her down following the dead bodies and burning properties, Alice tells Gordon she wants nothing to do with her brother. When Gordon questions Tetch, Jim is exposed to his power of hypnosis, leading him to attempt suicide. However, Alice saves Gordon, who then brings her into GCPD custody for her protection. Elsewhere, Leslie Tompkins, back in Gotham with her fiancé Mario, is offered her old job back at the GCPD by Barnes. In the meantime, Cobblepot begins his plotting to replace Mayor Aubrey and run for Mayor on a platform to ironically clean up Gotham's corrupt system. Handily to aid with his campaign, he has Edward Nigma declared legally sane and released from Arkham in a very corrupt manner. As Lee and Mario head out to dinner and settle into their new life in Gotham, a very familiar face joins them at their dinner table. Mm-hmm. Oh, the revolving door of Arkham Asylum. Isn't it awesome? Absolutely <laughs> fantastic. You, all you have to do is just put a big villain in there and they'll get out pretty soon. Uh, you know, I think there's, there's quite a lot of people that are still stuck in there. Uh, since they got uh, committed. But if you're a big enough villain and have killed enough people, you'll get out of Arkham pretty quickly, it seems. Well, it looked pretty chaotic. <laughs> um, I'm bit, surprised that the, the warden of uh, Arkham could walk so freely amongst the chaos. I think he seemed to be running from behind one cage to lock himself <laughs> into another cage to protect himself. It, it seemed to be the situation. But yeah, lots going on in this episode. Tons of stuff. Uh, but I think we can cover them off the way we do each week uh, in our top five points uh, about the episode. And I think our, our first case point really has to be the introduction to Jervis Tetch, doesn't it? It certainly does. Mm. Uh, Jervis Tetch is introduced, the Mad Hatter. I just thought this was a great intro. I absolutely loved it. First of all, being introduced within the Sirens Bar with Tabs and Babs uh, there was really, really cool. Mm -hmm. You know, parts of his of his costume of his wardrobe here is is really really great you know you've got the the ticking clock which is awesome you've got the inside of his hat which is kind of like that black and white vortex aspect and you know it's a really nice grounded way of 
bringing this this character which you know is slightly or can be slightly supernatural mm-hmm. um into the reality of this gotham world and, and i i thought it was really really cool and i loved how when he's hypnotizing people the the eyes go well very 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 black oh, um, really cool too. really cool yeah really cool idea just the, the look into my eyes not around them, straight into them, eyes go black. It's a really cool way of, of showing that a person's in the control. I think so. Well, I think it's looking to my eyes, not above them, not around them, but deep into their center. You are now completely relaxed and are becoming weightless. Mm-hmm. And are still listening to Gotham TV podcasts. <laughs> but I loved how the eyes went that deep black as he kind of, whatever power of, of hypnotism that he is exerting on this guy... Uh, what an unfortunate doctor um, that, you know, was was really, really quite cool. Absolutely. Um, you know, and, and his little riddles. Uh, maybe Ed Nigma here is, has got a little competition. <laughs> Lock sense away, awaken the rascal. When I say it is so, your new home is my castle. Yes. Um, really cool. A really cool idea. Very yeah. cool. So I, lo- I love the kind of twist on that a little bit later on when he's saying, you know, something will turn up. I don't have a home right now and looks after the doctor. Uh, yeah. And then obviously a brutal end to the doctor and his wife uh, where he's still under the hypnosis of the Mad Hatter and uh, and he tells him to kill his wife, bury her in the garden and then kill himself. It's like you can tell this guy is, is well used to using these powers and he's a very scary character. Yeah, I mean, he's absolutely uncompromising with these powers. So um, I'm expecting a lot more uh, bloodshed here. Uh, I kind of wondered... Well, there's two things actually. Mm-hmm. Like, I loved the the Mad Hatter silhouette in that house, where the, okay, you've got good. the lightning and thunder. Uh, you know, as as the wife comes down from the bed, she's noticed her husband missing, mm-hmm. and there you have um, the, the lightning going away, silhouetting uh, that that classic look of the top hat mm-hmm. uh, in, in the window against the background of the the, the lightning behind. I thought that was really cool, yeah. uh, really excellent cinematography the filming of it really atmospheric you know and then poor lady turns around and gets clubbed by by her husband who's who's in this trance but yeah he is obviously deadly you know he he's willing to use those powers obviously we find out that even um his sister alice and again that's the great nod to obviously alice in wonderland of course yeah 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 um and you know even she has got um, a nervousness and a, a and a reluctance to to be involved with her brother or to be rescued and yeah. how he sees it by by her brother so um you know this guy already in this episode has really made his mark you know he he's mysterious um he's dangerous and there are things that we still you know want to get to know uh, about Jervis Tetch i would say and this is my little negative that is coming out. Yeah. And it is only a little. I mean, it is just simply that I kind of wish Gordon was left in the dark about his powers um, for later. I know what you I, mean. I feel that that, um, that whole scene on the rooftop in Gotham where Tetch effectively is trying to uh, get Jim to commit suicide, mm. I just wish that either... Jim comes around from that and he has no recollection that it was, was Tetch and right. he still feels that there's, there's something going on or, or that Tetch effectively puts him back under and says that it, 
the problems with his his sister that you know maybe she's unsound right. or, or disturbed and needs um, his protection. Mm-hmm. I just wish that Jim wasn't fully in the light about Jervis Tetch. That's the only thing I thought. I again, yeah. it was a bit too soon with this character. I mean, I don't know how long he will remain around. You know, the Scarecrow ultimately, or Scarecrow's dad, um, and the, the Cranes, they're yeah. only in two episodes. I have a feeling the Mad Hatter is going to be a, a longer um, character in and across season three. Yeah, I'd agree. And again, remember, I suppose the... Uh, uh, Jonathan Crane, the this character we saw as Scarecrow was a young, a much younger kid than we saw in the Batman kind of mythos or in the comic books. Um, this version of Jervis Tetch is a younger character than we've seen as the Mad Hatter in the comic books. He always tends to be a much older character in the comic books, but he is fully formed. They can use him a few yeah. times, but yeah, you're right. The idea of everybody knowing that he can control your mind um, with just a few simple words it's probably a bit early for the show to be releasing that to a major character like Jim. You know, we could see it as the audience with the way he's controlling people perhaps for a while, but having Jim be immediately taken in by this guy uh, very early on in the show's run seems like a, right, it seems like an early jump of uh, jump for the character. But I do have a great positive in this episode. Oh, one of the, one of the ones I absolutely brilliant. loved in here. Um, was possibly what could have ended Jervis Tetch's life very quickly. Um, bringing Barbara on stage <laughs> and saying that uh, she was she was madly in love with them. I loved this scene. Once again, Barbara Keene, a, a great moment. But what a choice um, for Jervis Tetch to make to go, uh, you're in love with me. Oh, but what if I was in love with another and she smashes a glass and goes straight for his neck? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's just a great little throwback to the madness of, of Queen Babs. Um, in, it, it's so, Gotham. so good. And again, I mean, I love what they're doing with uh, Babs again this time. I do wonder, is Tabitha onto Jervis Tetch? She was kind of eyeing him up a bit um, suspiciously. I don't know whether it was just because he was, you know, in her eyes, maybe doing magic. Yeah. Was it that she was, you know, Barbara seemed to be enjoying his act more than um, she felt comfortable with? Or does she, as being a bad guy uh, previously, does she, you know, potentially sense the kindred spirit? Uh Um, I suspect it is just the first one, like, who's this crazy guy? But I felt there was a bit of suspicion there behind uh, Tab's... um, Tabs's kind of uh, looks and glances right. over at him. I did. I, I, I did love how Barbara took it on board immediately and went, "Oh, what a great power to have this person in my control." And I think Tabitha is kind of yes, in your control, but for how long is kind of the attitude she has. It, it, and absolutely right. How do you keep someone in your control if they're able to hypnotize anybody to do whatever they want them to do? Whereas yeah. Barbara's like, "Could you hypnotize someone to do what I want them to do for a while?" <laughs> you know, <laughs> until I get bored and hypnotize you to do what I want you to do. Yeah, uh, really interesting. But yeah, really love those scenes. And again, loving the Sirens uh, sirens Bar, having these two characters together, Tabitha and Barbara, are working really well for me in the show so far. Oh, brilliant. Right. Really, really cool. So that's overall, that's Jervis Tetch, I think. Yeah. I'm sure we have another couple of points I'm, crossing over with them. I'm sure um, we do. Um, but I, I think we move on to our next point. Mm-hmm. Um, and is that... Emo Bruce. <laughs> emo, emo Bruce, Bruce becomes bad Bruce. Oh, yes. Rogue Bruce. Um, Rogue One Bruce. Um, <laughs> well, he is... Uh, I'm liking David Mazous doing these two characters. and I, I, I like Emo Bruce. Um, I, I think 
David Mazouz will be will be able to do a fantastic cinematic bad guy. He's got the he's got that look down of I'm thinking evil thoughts here <laughs> down to an absolute T with with bad Bruce. I really enjoyed it. We get a bit of backstory as well from him mm-hmm. uh, with regards to, you know, his designation 514A. Yes, yes we uh, do have a name for him now. His name is actually 514A, but he calls himself 5 or everybody refers to him as 5 cuz 514A is a long It is long name. a lot <laughs> of uh numbers and digits. Yeah, to, I've to remember. never remembered again. So five it doesn't trip off the tongue. That's the problem. <laughs> um, but uh, we, you know, we see him burning himself on a candle, mm. and uh, there's the absolutely fantastic sparring scene with with him and Alfred. I oh, again sweet. just loved that. You know, it was sunshine, scar, and sparring. You know. I loved Alfred's sunshine in in the Cockney accent. Mm-hmm. Really, really cool. I love that he gets two really good right hooks from the doppelganger, mm. um, and then Alfred gives him a, a you know a good old punch. Now a proper um, army, you know, he goes army on him basically, mm. and really puts his training uh, down and on the doppelganger. And we see, you know, he's impervious to pain. He doesn't feel that pain um, like, yeah. like he would do normally. And, you know, he then also begins to go creepy, Bruce, with the improvisation, with the voice thing. I loved it. I thought that was that was almost horror-esque. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. And, but it was all, you know... Loved it. It was creepy. Him mm-hmm. just looking through the the door that's slightly ajar at, at real Bruce and, and Selena, who is broken in again. To exactly, as we yeah. mentioned last week, they definitely need some more alarms. Uh, like Arkham, <laughs> it's porous. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, no, it's a, it is a really interesting one. I did I did like it. I'm kind of guessing that this is going to turn out that there is a very simple explanation to this. He met Selena on the street. She gave him money. She he's kind of fallen for her, and he's using all of his tricks to get. To get back to Selena, basically. Um, he's, he doesn't seem as shy and retiring as Bruce would be. Bruce has taken, what, three years of knowing Selena and they still have honey had maybe one or two kisses. It feels like this version of Bruce is just going to go, Oh, met this lovely girl in the street. She gave me some money. How do I get her? Okay. I'm going to use all these tricks, pretend to be the billionaire, cut my hair like him <laughs> and take her off for, off for dinner. Yeah. You know? Whereas five has taken the Rolls Royce. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. He's nicked the car. Very impressive. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, GCPD, surely ringing uh, the roller has been nicked by um, Bruce. Yeah. So, see, that's the problem. How do they, how do they get it? How do they get around it? So he looks like but Bruce. Alfred could do it and say, I'm concerned for his safety. Mm-hmm. He shouldn't be driving. <laughs> maybe, maybe, but you, but I'm not sure if that will go past the GCPD. They've got a lot of other problems <laughs> on their on hand. But yeah, I loved it. <laughs> nicks the car and, um, you know, moves in on Bruce's uh, lady. Mm-hmm. Um, even though Bruce himself is like, doesn't know it yet, you know, yeah. and, and is all creepy and, and weird yeah. in, in Bruce, uh, in Bruce's house. So yeah. Yeah. really, really good. It is really interesting though, I suppose, with, with the Brutal Ganger or Emo Bruce or Five, I suppose. That, it is really interesting that he is displaying some of the characteristics that we would associate with Batman and would associate with Bruce Wayne in, in later life. The fact that he doesn't feel pain, the fact that he's a really good fighter, instinctual, instinctually good. Um, 
the fact that he goes after the ladies. Those are all traits that we associate with Bruce Wayne in, in the comic books and in the, in the movies that we've seen in the past. So weirdly, Bruce could actually learn a lot from five. Yeah. You know, that is true. Yeah. Like, yeah, he's super confident. Mm-hmm. He certainly moves into that role very, very quickly. Absolutely. Absolutely. So maybe there will actually be two sides to Bruce Wayne in this, in this show. One of them will actually be Batman and the other one will be Bruce Wayne. We just won't know which is which. But there you go. Yeah. Well, I think with that. Mm-hmm. On to point three. Yeah. Mario and the family ties. Yes. Interesting one here. Yeah. yeah. Great to see another member of the Falcone family. The Fal- Falcones are a huge crime family and uh, crime organization, I suppose, in, in the comic books. Has always been in the comics. And I love that they're sticking with this. He is al- has always been the kind of righteous one, the one that's kept out of the family business or at least tried to turn the family business round into a, into an operation that, um, that runs better for the betterment of Gotham. Yeah. It's so, a legitimate kind of operation rather than criminal. Yeah. Exactly. So it's yeah. kind of cool that they have kept that basic concept of, uh, of Mario. Um, he is connected to the family. They're all aware of them. He kind of seems to know what's going on within the family. Lee knows what's going on within the family, but not perturbed by the fact that uh, Mario is uh, is definitely not a gangster. Uh, yeah, he um, he's also a doctor. He's he's in um, at Gotham General. Yeah, he actually stitches up Jim Gordon, who has been knocked out by Alice in their first encounter. Mm-hmm. No, no, hit by her. No, it was hit, hit by people after Alice the, in the bar when they're in the narrowest bar. Yeah, yeah. So, like, but I mean, okay, that's a bit on the nose that he, he meets him in the, uh, ER in, in Gotham General. Can but, I say though, I no. love Lee's reaction when Mario tells her that story and <laughs> yeah. goes, I was stitching up your ex-boyfriend today. And she goes, Oh, well, of course, because that's what always happens to, <laughs> to him. You yeah. know, of course he's going to be going to the hospital to get stitches. You know, I love that. Almost ruins the dinner date as well, mm-hmm. in, in fairness, because Leslie is, why didn't you tell me sooner? Mm-hmm. And he retorts with, well, why did you never tell him about me? Exactly. Yeah. Burn. I, I mean, know. that was a sting. <laughs> it really, really was. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, okay. I mean, it, I understand why they meet there in the ER. It's, it's a bit on the nose. It's a bit too deliberate, uh, in, in, in a sense. Absolutely. But nonetheless, I, you know, they have to introduce these two characters together. They've done it in this way. Yeah. I think for me, the great thing about this whole thing was that, you know, we see Falcone, Carmine Falcone returning. I love the kind of, the craziness that, you know, Leslie knows exactly who this guy is, but is with Mario. You've still got that relationship of, of Falcone with Jim Gordon's dad as well. Mm-hmm. And like, there is a relationship there that it is mutually respectful. And um, to yeah. some extent, I think, and um, you have Falcone's relationship with, with Cobblepot as well. Yep. So there's a lot of relationships, a lot of links that can happen when Carmine Falcone returns to Gotham. Yeah. So I, I love this little um, uh, drop in there. I, I thought it really was pretty exciting, actually. Yeah. And I was glad that they did it. Uh, I and, and I like yeah. to see how this pans out, given that she's also now working back at the GCPD and has a 
a criminal father-in-law. Yeah, absolutely. That's quite an interesting one. Uh, I do like I do like his speech to uh, to Leslie saying, um, "You seem like a woman that's of that level of beauty that men would do anything for you." As in, will Jim stick out of this relationship, or now that you're back, is there going to be some fight between my son and Jim? Um, really like that that Leslie picked up on that as well. Um, yeah, I like the kind of warnings because you know he's an old school gangster. He gives. Uh, he gives shaded warnings to people, but everybody knows that he is warning them here. So I did like that as well. Yeah, I mean, it is kind of nothing's going to stand in the way of that marriage. Mm-hmm, absolutely, but it's, but it probably is because there's Gotham. That's true. There's Jim. <laughs> there's Carmine Falcone. Yeah, and all the baggage there. So. I suspect Mario, Leslie should have stayed put where she was. Uh, yeah, and Mario did not repeat the fact that uh, that Jim already told him he would kill him if he hurt uh, hurt Leslie. So, uh, so but he was yeah. joking. It was one of those things that if you hurt my best friend, then you're no. That's never meant as a joke. It. <laughs> it's never meant as a joke. It's always a serious thing when you someone know? says it. <laughs> um, so, like, it, yeah, I, I, I loved this whole family ties element. Mm-hmm. I thought, I thought it was really, really good. And I, I suppose as well, might as well introduce the the physical bullockism uh, of the week at right. this stage. And uh, given that, really, uh, Harvey Bullock didn't seem to have one of his his phrases in this episode of Gotham, but you know we have the lovely awkward scene where he tries to protect his friend uh, Jim after he's come in to get his bounty. And obviously Leslie is there getting her job back, mm-hmm. um, but with with Captain Barnes, I think Captain Barnes as well has like teed it all up by saying, "Oh yeah, he's no longer here." Oh, yeah. As he walks in, and you know Harvey, it, it's the awkwardness of Harvey here that is the bullockism that he he knows he's trying to do the best thing, but he's doing it really awkward. And in the end, he's the one that comes across looking like. Uh, a bit of a fool um yeah a- almost like he's trying to lie as well he's trying to prevent jim from knowing the fact that she is back in gotham mm-hmm. uh where i think jim would think you should be telling me that she's back in gotham so it kind of ended up maybe harvey it's the egg on the face bullockism <laughs> type of thing for poor old harvey yeah. i think in, in in this scene but yeah. i would suggest that could be as a long shot, the bullockism of the week. We'll go for that one. We'll go for that one, definitely. Uh, on to the other big part of this episode. We are, could potentially have a new mayor of Gotham, uh, changing from king of Gotham to uh, to possibly a, a more official position. Yeah. Uh, Oswald Cobblepot is challenging Mayor Aubrey James to... Uh, to his post. Um, we knew this was coming. Obviously, the uh, the posters for um, <laughs> Cobblepot for Mayor have been going around uh, for months and months on end. Uh, I think back to July before the season was even announced, I think I saw some uh, some posters for Cobblepot for Mayor. Knew it was coming. But really interesting. It's it's another... Uh, another. I think it's um, Batman Returns, wasn't it? Where, uh, where Oswald tries to run for political office. He does, yeah. Uh, yeah, so a nice little throwback. That's our, our little Batman moment for this episode. Uh, what do you think of this storyline, John? No, I really like this uh, this storyline. I, mm. I really want to see how it goes. I, I, you know, I've been enjoying seeing Mer Aubrey back um, yeah. up to his old tricks, up to his old self. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I really want to see how it how it how it runs and plays. I do like the irony of it all that you know he's he's coming down on corruption given who he is. Absolutely. Um, I do wonder whether in normal cities you actually might be barred from holding public or political office given uh, you might be a crook. Although 
you Highest might argue in the world. You might argue what's the difference exactly. <laughs> um that but there is also I love that he gets his mate Ed Nigma, Nigmogglepot, um out of Arkham by effect- effectively um undermining his own platform for running for mayor, which is oh, yeah. anti-corruption. Um, <laughs> th- there's the great restaurant scene as well between um, the the two of them, where Aubrey is trying to, you know, safely in a public setting, sort of really frighten Oswald off. I mean, he should know better. Absolutely, uh, by this I, stage. I love the joke of uh, him being stuck in a warehouse with his head in a box for effectively the whole of last season. <laughs> um, you know, how how are you able to run uh, this great city of Gotham? Mm-hmm. Really, really good. Um, I have to say, I love that restaurant scene. I love the concept of, you know, it's the waiter and a bodyguard and uh, the bartender <laughs> who all have guns for Aubrey James. And then it's like all these old women and, uh, you know, the, uh, the loving couple in the corner all take out their shotguns and guns on the uh, exactly. Oswald side. That is totally a Batman 66 moment. I love that. It's really good. And I mean, I, I suppose the only thing I wish on, on this storyline is I wish they would stop having Cobblepot um, interrupt a press conference. <laughs> um, he did it in the GCPD. Yeah. Uh, he, he's done it again here at Mayor Aubrey's launch of his campaign. Um, because it, it feels strange. Right. I feel as though Cobblepot Yes, he will do the public speaking and all that, but he won't. I mean, I don't know. I I, I wish they wouldn't use that device too often. I get everything um, stops for Cobblepot. Yeah, really. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, given his history in Gotham already, and mm-hmm. I, I suppose that's the one thing that for me I've got to be convinced of. I've got to um, come around to is the fact that here we have someone who has been on the wrong side of the law now going for public office. And mm-hmm. um, yes, he's been, um, he's been treated badly by, by Gotham, by, you know, he's locked up in Arkham, but nonetheless, he has still been head of the criminal underworld. Absolutely. Uh, and, I just want, I need to be convinced yeah. of, of this new role of him going, uh, to become mayor of Gotham. Absolutely. I think there's, there is a weird moment when uh, Aubrey James actually calls out the fact that he was put in prison and uh, for killing people. And Oswald's response is, Oh yeah, by your system that you put in there. And it's like, well, not just Aubrey James's system. Also the fact that the police arrested you, uh, for that and put you in, uh, in Arkham Asylum for those murders. Yeah. You may have gotten out. Because it was signed off by Hugo Strange, yeah, but you still broke the law, yeah. Absolutely. But I'm not too sure whether that argument will wash, but it's happening. Uh, I suppose the commentary on on a real life situation in some in some ways on Gotham here, I think. Yeah. No. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. 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 But with that one, I think we're on to our final point. Kind of has to be Alice herself, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, Alice and her and her superpowers. Um, Alice in Wonderland. This is a really interesting one. So she's so she seems to have something wrong with her blood, something in her blood put in there. Uh, we think by Hugo Strange. Um, she is yeah, no, one of the monsters. Yeah, she's an ex-Indian Hill. Mm-hmm. Um, she's she's been sighted by Selina with uh, Fish Mooney. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely, um, an Indian Hill experimental subject. Yeah. And um, at one stage, I thought her blood. First of all, I thought. It was um, her her lips, almost a bit like poison ivy type of thing. Yeah. Where when um, the the kiss from the the landlord has been forced on her, uh, and he was obviously then 
looked as though he was dying, so I thought it was poisoned lips or something. Yeah, almost a bit Snow Whitey, sort of, mm-hmm. to an extent, uh, with the poisoned apple. Then I thought because in the, the Narrows bar, mm-hmm. uh, he talked about the blood spilling on the, um, on the bar, but the whole thing was burnt out. I thought, okay, is this like it goes on fire? So mm-hmm. then I got slightly confused, but what we learn is that, um, she is destroying anything that comes into contact with her blood because it contains a virus yeah. of, of some description. So she locks the landlord away to see how it reacts and then effectively kills him, mm-hmm. then burns the, the, the apartment down mm-hmm. with Jim there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also she burns down the Narrows bar as well. Yeah, it was it, it was a really odd one, wasn't it? I, was, I had this whole image in my head of... Is her blood like um like alien blood where it's got yeah, acid exactly, in it and it exactly. burns down a bar, which I presume wouldn't be anyway possible. But you never know in this show uh, as to what what uh, Hugo Strange has done. But yeah, it's an interesting one. Yeah. She seems to be creating the zombie virus or some kind of virus uh, that's uh, that that could be taking out people in Gotham. No, absolutely. Um, like I, I thought it was, I thought it was really. Um, interesting, I think, having her there. And I think for me, the whole thing with Alice, um, is going to be her relationship with, with Jervis Tetch. Of course, yeah. And how that interaction occurs. It'll be nice to see now that she's cuffed to Jim as well, where she ends up and how that all pans out. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm wondering, you know, does Jervis Tetch have the ability? We've seen him operate his powers on one person directly, but has he got the power? to hypnotize, say, the entire police force and the GCPD to go in and rescue or kidnap, depending on your point of view, um, Alice. So that, you know, for me, Alice and, and, and Jervis... Tetch are this is this is this is good. This is really, really good. Really looking forward to seeing more of that. That's our top five points. Uh, notes. For this episode. Any notes there, John? Just simply that Enigma is free. I know. He's, he's free. He's alive. He's free. And I'm really glad he's out of Arkham. I, I think, um, you know, it's probably good for Corey Michael Smith to, to get a bit of, uh, of, of a break, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I, I suppose. But, um, again, I think, you know, taking that too long where he's in Arkham Asylum, unless you begin to develop a storyline, in Arkham again, around Enigma, mm-hmm. um, you know, otherwise there's that fantastic character wasted. I think again, like with, you know, you introduce someone like Jervis Tetch in the same way that Galavan was introduced mm-hmm. into uh, season two. And, and you want to see how these well-established characters in Gotham and the ones, you know, like Oswald Cobblepot were, he absolutely clashed with um, Galavan mm-hmm. in terms of personality, in the fact that he killed his mom, yeah. all of that. And here, I, I've always absolutely loved uh, Ed Nigma and the Riddler and Jervis Tetch and the Mad Hatter. And mm-hmm. I think it's because the, 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 there are similarities of, uh, of the two. Um, and I have a feeling there could be some really good... Um, Differences of opinion, explosions of personality uh, between these two. Like, I definitely like. To see I hope interact. so. Anyway, yeah. I, I kind of the only reason I would have liked to see Ed stay in uh, in Arkham is that I was kind of hoping he was going to become a little bit of a Hannibal Lecter character. That Oswald would be going to him. Uh, 
you know, under yeah, guard yeah, yeah. And, and kind of be getting guidance from him from there. But it's really interesting he's going to be out. Obviously, it's exciting to see those two characters working directly together on a project, this time to get... The uh, campaign manager. A mayor, exactly. Yeah. yeah, really interesting. Uh, Butch Gilzine didn't seem hugely sold on the idea of Oswald being a, being a, a mayor. It was, not really. It was very much... Um, yeah, okay, I see where you're going with this, but can we not just run the bars and that kind of stuff? So it feels like Butch is still with the old school uh, of, of gangsterism in Gotham. I think so. And you wonder, does he meet with Falcone and want to go old school again? I mean, it'll be interesting. Mm-hmm. Will he go back to um, his, his one, lo- one true love, Fish? Yeah. Or back over to his other true love, Tabitha? Yeah, or <laughs> just keep the the Oswald underground empire uh, running. Mm-hmm. So ultimately, he becomes one of the big crime bosses. That would be great, actually. Yeah. I'd love to see that. Be quite a cool touch, yeah. definitely. Um, one of the ones I really liked in this episode was the fact that Jim, um, Jim and Selena are working together again. Uh, I really like that. Um, that Jim's kind of snitch in the underworld is Selena. So whenever he needs to find anybody. He goes straight to her. He's looking for Alice. He'll go straight to Selena. She flips it back on him. She's looking for Ivy. So uh, hopefully Jim will get involved in that and they'll be able to find uh, find Ivy for Selena. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of my other notes is that, you know, again, uh, last week we postulated about Valerie Vale possibly being, an, you know, uh, involved with Jim yes. in, in another sort of love triangle of Jim's. But no, Sting. Jim was stung. Oh, yes. Um, you know, Valerie probably got uh, way too much uh, sense and, and and cop on to really um, stay around Jim. Uh-huh. You know, I loved it. It was kind of heartless, but probably you could understand um, her, her sort of saying, see ya, yeah. bye, this was a complete one-off. Yeah, it just feels Loved like that's, that's not it. Valerie. It tells a lot about her character. She's not that. She's not the kind of person that's just jumping into bed with someone to start a relationship. That's not definitely. That's not her thing. But but um, I loved it because I do feel as though you know, Jim has acted such the 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 nightmare. I think for anyone wanting the relationship, absolutely, uh, any female, I should say, wanting the relationship, you know, with Barbara and with Leslie, that. I, I felt it was a bit of um, him getting a taste of his own medicine. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, really good. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think it's time to wrap up this episode of Gotham and our discussion about uh, Season 3, Episode 3, Look Into My Eyes. John, overall, thoughts on this episode? You seem to be really I I, I really like this. Um, th- there are a few things, you know, as I said, a few negatives here uh, for me, but they do not take away from the introduction of Jervis Tetch. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for, for me... Um, it, it's why I ultimately am giving this uh, four mad hats out of five. Nice. Um, I just, I love the introduction of the character. I love that he was so bloody, so dangerous, um, and, and just so creepy and weird, but clever all at the same time. I loved how he was introduced uh, in the Sirens Club. I loved his costume. Uh, I loved all that aspect mm-hmm. um you know some really good um images of Jervis Tetch here i love the mad hatter i thought this was really played really well yeah. and uh, you know with his sister alice really i just thought they nailed 
the character yeah. for this world of Gotham. I definitely want to say a huge, um, a huge definitely. shout out to Benedict Samuel, who uh, came on board from The Walking Dead was the last time we probably saw him uh, in yeah. season... Well, season six of The Walking Dead, I think, uh, where he played the main wolf, the chief wolf that was uh, living in the town with uh, with Rick's group. A very creepy kind of evil character in that show, like really dark character. I wasn't ex- yeah. expecting to bring the same kind of darkness and intensity into Jervis Tetch. It works really well for the character, though. I like the kind of darker side that we see and the lighter side, you know, him just being on stage, being, you know, playfully doing some tricks to make a little bit of cash. And then going off and murdering a family to get their home. You know, I, I kind of love the fact that he's able to play both sides of that. So a good bit of casting there. for Absolutely. For I think the developments with um, the doppelganger, with Emo Bruce, mm-hmm. um, becoming a bit more suspicious and, and worrying, at least for Alfred. And again, that, that whole boxing scene was just Fair. pure class. And um, every time these two, Alfred and Bruce or Emo Bruce, they get together... It is an absolute joy of of, of Gotham. It, it, it really is. And Mario, the family ties, and, and Falcone. Uh, you know, this is another bit of intrigue here that we're, we're getting. And um, you know, a lot of things uh, were revealed here. A lot of surprises, new characters, mm-hmm. and, and obviously with Ed being uh, released from from Arkham. Now, this was a this was a really great episode this is me. pretty cool definitely well listeners thanks again for joining us for this episode come back to us for episode four and make sure you send us in your feedback to feedback at gotham tv podcast.com uh, make sure you join us on twitter at gotham tv podcast which is pretty much the place you find us for everything you need to find us for absolutely so we have uh some feedback from from daniel butcher again again mm-hmm. we are told do not read this until after christmas it's now <laughs> after christmas and we are well into gotham uh, at this stage well into 2017, um, yeah. he goes hey boys so jim gordon really has worsened as a person over the three years remember the idealism remember when he was a bright light against the grim of gotham mm. yeah i don't either yeah Absolutely. I think, um, you know, Jim has changed. He has lost his idealism. But yeah. well, maybe this is him plowing his hands into the, in, into the filth in order to reignite that idealism yep. at some point. Um, better be soon because, uh, you know, Bruce Wayne's growing up and he's going to be Batman soon. So he really does need to even just get back into the GCPD at this stage. Yeah. He, um, he definitely yeah. needs a friend. And I think, I think the, the thing about Jim is he came in trying to get Harvey Bullock back on side, back to the light side. Harvey was kind of another one of those kind of uh, grayer characters heading towards the blackness before Jim pulled him back. It feels like Jim is heading towards the darkness now. And possibly the only person that's going to be able to pull him back from that will be an adult Bruce. Um, remember, the White Knight of Gotham also isn't around here at the moment. We still don't have uh, Harvey Dent, uh, the other member of that that three-person group that worked together. Uh, Jim was never supposed to be the Angel of Gotham. Um, he was there as Gotham goes to hell in a handbasket, really, and that's the uh, that's where they seem to be going with him in the show. 
Yeah, Daniel goes on to say, I'm still watching, but I sometimes feel that a non-Jim Gordon is walking around in a city full of Batman rogues. Yeah, I'm back to that. Was this always the plan to make him really dark and then transform him back into Law and Order before the series finale? It feels uh, like it. Yeah, yeah. It, it really does. Um, I think I mentioned it on one of the earlier episodes. That the way I'm kind of seeing uh, Gotham at the moment is, is almost like it's in a parallel universe, kind of like the way they've done it over on Flash, uh, if you're watching The Flash at all. Uh, it's a parallel universe where Batman doesn't exist, and it's kind of easy to take the way that we're, the way that they're taking Gotham at the moment. It doesn't feel like um, like there's any difference in this Gotham universe. Batman could step off a train and go straight after a lot of these rogues now. Um, they are pretty fully formed, some of them. Yeah, absolutely. Daniel also goes on to say the the Bruce doppelganger is becoming predictable. I almost expect the court to kill him, thinking it's real Bruce in about eight months. Mm, and Mario is a maroon yawn. Interesting. Mm. So not as much fun in this episode for Daniel. No, not uh, at all. I, I don't think. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm. We've we've really enjoyed the, enjoyed the Bruce doppelganger in uh, this episode. Look, if you're gonna have a twin or a clone of one of the characters, this kind of stuff is gonna happen, right? Um, there's going to be uh, some cases of mistaken identity. The first one we're seeing here, though, is he's going to take the lady love of the actual Bruce out for dinner. So um, I'm kind of liking that. I think that's a good, a good, fun choice. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I, I think, uh, Daniel, you're probably right that the court may kill him. It's possible. Whereas <laughs> you can't stay right forever, though. We know no, that. that is true. And but but the thing is, and the interesting thing about it is that I think. Um, when we saw the doppelganger for the first time at the end of season two, where mm-hmm. he was released into Gotham, we kind of thought that ultimately this was going to be the, the court's plan to get him uh, in control of Wayne Enterprises. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why they were effectively uh, replicating Bruce Wayne uh, in, in at Indian Hill in a, in a test tube effectively was so that they could in, you know, infiltrate to the owner level, um, you know, Bruce yeah. Wayne. And that doesn't seem to be how it's planning or panning out, I should say, mm-hmm. um, so really far, yeah. Yeah. at the moment. Yeah. But maybe that is a, a direction that will still happen. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Yeah. They're really, really intrigued to see how those characters uh, play it. Thanks so much for your feedback, Daniel. Absolutely, Daniel. Thank you so much for the feedback. Again, as we said before, Anyone who wants to send in any feedback, please just send it into feedback at gothamtvpodcast.com or you can uh, leave comments or messages uh, on our group, uh, on our page. Uh, just search Gotham TV Podcast mm-hmm. on Facebook. Yeah, exactly. Thank you so much for joining us again. I think we're going to go off and, and uh, find a good hypnotism show. Absolutely. Look into my eyes, look into my eyes. Uh, not around the eyes, but look into my eyes. I'm going to watch Little Britain again, where that comes from. <laughs> I love it. Uh, that's obviously the reference from Danny Cannon, isn't it? It must be. It must be. It must be. Maybe uh, it's not. I'm hoping it's not, because actually I kind of went off Little Britain uh, by the end. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I reckon so. But I, I must say, uh, the, the, the signature call of Jervis Tetch, Look Into My Eyes, is uh, fantastic as they go a very, very dark shade of black inky black but i think with that thank you again so much for listening and we will speak with you next time yes we'll speak to you next week for episode four of gotham season three absolutely thank you bye
Thanks for being a Butch supporter. Butch loves you, baby. <laughs>